thankful I'm on the winning side this morning, aren't you? Amen. Hallelujah. Oh. 
sing or play a little bit more if you don't mind. Praise God. Good to be in the Lord's house this morning. Amen. How many of you are glad you're on the winning side? Amen. Amen. You say, preacher, what's the winning side? The Jesus side. His side's the only side to be on. If you're not on the side of Christ, you're a loser. Amen. Uh, might as well put a big old L on your forehead. Amen. But I'm glad I don't have to worry about that. I'm glad that unlike a lot of people in this world, I know what side I'm on. A lot of Christian folk need to figure out which side they're on. Amen. We spend way too much time straddling the fence. Amen. One foot in and one foot out. I want to get in all the way. Amen. Make sure that everybody knows uh, whose side I'm on. Amen. I'm a Jesus fan today, aren't you? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it is good to see you as we uh, continue moving right on through the month of April. Uh, for we know what April will be over. But did we not have a wonderful week of revival? Amen. I'll tell you what, uh, uh, you know, my heart's still stirred. My cup's uh, uh, running over. Amen. This morning, all that the Lord uh, did for us. Uh, amen. I can't speak for anybody else, but the Lord sure did help my life this week and uh, gave me just exactly what I needed. And I was aggravating Brother Roberts just before they left Friday night. I said, you know, I know that. Uh, before you come, you spend most of your time praying, God, what does he need this time? Amen. <laughs> and, uh, seemed like every message you preached was directed to me, but that's all right. Preacher needs preaching out every now and then, doesn't he? Amen. Well, uh, praise the Lord. I uh, appreciate what God has done for us. And uh, amen. I will say this. God blessed us uh, not only numerically and uh, spiritually, but financially. Uh, we just did tremendous as far as our offering was concerned for the revival. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. We set a minimum. Um, we actually, uh, just due to our finances here at the church, had to kind of decrease the minimum. Uh, we decreased it down to $750, which normally we, ha we set it at 1000 And it's very rare that we don't uh, come at or near that $1,000 mark. Uh, for a week of revival meeting, well, we brought in $1,400 this past week. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. Amen. That's what God does. And uh, amen. I just appreciate, uh, appreciate, appreciate him. Amen. And uh, he always comes through and blesses us as uh, he alone is able to do. So I appreciate your giving, appreciate your presence. And if you were not able to attend services, I know we had some other things going on. But uh, amen, I encourage you to go back and watch them. We've got them. Uh, live streamed and uh, on Facebook. You can watch most of them on YouTube. Uh, we've loaded most of them up on podcasts. So whether you want to watch them or listen to them, take the time. It would be worth your efforts to listen to each and every message. It'll help you, I promise. I promise you it will. But uh, do remember 
uh, revival will continue, not here, but at Greystone uh, this upcoming week. And I do consider Greystone somewhat of a sister church to us. Appreciate them. They let their services out this past Wednesday night so they could support our meeting. We do appreciate them uh, doing that. So, uh, again, uh, go out and support uh, the meeting at Greystone. Uh, again, Brother Dylan Bailey is the pastor there. And uh, my former pastor, Brother Gary Norton, a very seasoned man of the faith. If you've never heard uh, uh, Preacher Norton preach, you need to. He's a man of God, loves the Lord. They'll have special singing each night. And uh, again, services start at 7 o'clock p.m. If people are interested, uh, I wouldn't be opposed to us uh, uh, taking a church van out there. Uh, maybe some of you a little hesitant about driving uh, out next to the mountains or whatever. So if it'd be easier for you to ride the church van, you let me know. And we could make arrangements to do that. So uh, do remember uh, the revival this upcoming week at Greystone Free Will Baptist Church. We will have monthly fellowship next Sunday night. Um, April the 30th, finger foods, hallelujah. So uh, do remember that. I really do enjoy our monthly fellowship meals. Uh, also, we've got, um, uh, uh, amen, we've got uh, ladies' fellowship, monthly meeting May the 1st in the fellowship hall, and then Mother's Day gathering on Saturday, May the 6th as well. I, I want to mention a couple other things. We will have... Um, I don't know if y'all know Brother Larry Blaylock. Uh, Brother Larry is a Gideon, and he'll be speaking for us tonight in our services. So come out and support uh, that, uh, the Gideons, uh, another uh, very worthwhile ministry. Many souls have been saved uh, by the work of the Gideons. Amen. Appreciate Brother Larry, and he's always a blessing to our church. And then next Sunday night, Brother Lacey Wheeler will be with us. Uh, Miss Linda's son, Lacey, uh, uh, Dear friend of mine, one of our longest tenured supporting missionaries, uh, as Lacey works in Mexico, and I don't just say this because of Miss Linda, uh, but but genuinely, uh, Lacey is as hard of a working missionary as we support. And uh, boy, I tell you, if you're giving money to missions, you want to make sure that it's going for the right cause and the right purpose. And no doubt about it, uh, Brother Lacey uses every penny and every dollar we send him. Uh, for a worthwhile cause, and that's uh, getting the gospel out to people in Mexico. So uh, you make sure you're here next Sunday night, and uh, uh, amen, that'll be a blessing to you. Any announcements that I'm not remembering? Prayer request uh, this morning. Uh, continue to remember uh, Miss Linda Morlock. Do we have an, an update there? Okay, all right. Well, they do have her stable, and she'll be going through the procedure tomorrow to put a pacemaker in. So pray for uh, Miss Linda Morlock. Continue to remember the Linda Canale family. Remember uh, Miss Barbie Stillner and her health. Uh, boy, it's good to have Miss Ellen here today, isn't it? Uh, amen, and we love her. We've been praying for her. And so you remember uh, Miss Ellen in prayer and her recovery from this surgery you know the reason she had this surgery so she could have another and hallelujah so uh, amen so pray for her if she's still got a road ahead of her but uh, also remember uh, uh, let's see other pray for my mom mom fell and uh, amen she's here today just these ladies they're a lot tougher than we men are aren't they amen so uh, remember her as she's battered and bruised and uh, amen so remember her 
in prayer. Remember Carolina, she's got an upcoming appointment. We need to remember her in prayer. Uh, Miss Cheryl, continue to remember Cheryl and her health. Pray for uh, Matt Cutshaw Reconciliation Ministries. Remember the Prices. Remember Bob and Pat Price, that entire family. Uh, let's continue to remember Luke Buchanan. This is uh, uh, my brother-in-law, John Buchanan, his dad, uh, needs our prayers. Continue to remember Michael Knight in prayer. Remember my brother-in-law, Chris McCoy. Remember a preacher uh, by the name of Roger. I believe this is an acquaintance of uh, Robert. So remember Roger in prayer. Um, continue to remember uh, Miss Becky, her kids and grandkids, that situation. Um, LV, how's Debbie doing? Okay. All right. Well, let's remember LV's niece, Miss Debbie. She needs our prayers. Um, amen. Uh, pray for... Judy Darnell, pray for the Dixon family, um, pray for Lyle's mom, Miss Lula, pray for our nation, uh, pray for Israel, pray for our missionaries on the field. Uh, we could just go on and on about conflicts and things that are going on in the world, but I'm glad Jesus is still on his throne, aren't you? Amen. Any other prayer requests today before we, uh, we gather around the altar? Amen. Remember my nephew, Creed, in prayer, as he's got a virus. And uh, then remember Landon Bryson, as he's dealing with Crohn's disease. We need to remember him in prayer, as he's been in and out of the hospital. Somebody else today? Tina and Elena Fields. All right. Somebody else? Prayer requests today. Or praise reports. That's a good thing as well. I will say this. We need to remember um, an older lady that lost... Uh, everything in a fire uh, this past week and the art ministries was able to help her out but uh, boy I tell you what um, uh, you don't realize just how quickly you can lose everything you have and uh, when when people go through this sort of thing we need to we need to care for them we need to treat them the way we'd want others to treat us here in similar circumstances we need to pray for the homeless pray for those that are dealing with addiction uh, boy, I tell you, our communities are, are a mess, aren't they? Uh, I'll uh, ask you to remember uh, my friend Michael Brobeck, his, and my friend too, James, he lost his son tragically this week, about 27 years old. So remember this situation in prayer. Anyone else today? Amen. 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 Becky got some really, really good news this week as far as her grandkids are concerned. And well, I believe the Lord's still working in that situation, don't you? Amen. Praise the Lord. Unspoken requests by the uplifted hand. Lost loved ones we need to remember. 
Amen. We'll gather around the altar. We'll bring these requests for the Lord. I encourage you to pray for me this morning as I preach. Amen. Lord, give me a message, but want to make sure that I depend on Him to preach it. Uh, amen. Pray for the furtherance of the service, that everything uh, would be pleasing in His sight. Robert, will you lead us in prayer, brother? Father, we do thank you, God, this morning, Father, for this uh, privilege we have, uh, Lord Jesus, to, to come into your house. Lord, I pray, Father, Lord, that you would just, uh, Lord, help us, God, today, Lord, not to, Lord, uh, Father, that our, our natural, natural inclination would be to kind of relax and, and just uh, step back and take it easy, God, because of the, Lord, the rigors, Lord, of the week, and Lord, the challenges, Lord, that we face, but Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, God, and, oh, God, how you stirred us up, God, you helped us, Lord, in our own lives, Father, in our own ministry, and God, help us, Lord, not to, uh, Lord, just let these things just uh, pass on by, Father, but Lord, I pray, God, that you help us, Lord, to receive them, and Lord, accept them, and apply them to our hearts, God, Lord, the urgency, uh, Lord, uh, Lord, the situation that we're in, God, and what happens, Lord, if we, uh, Lord, do not do our job, Lord, of, of patterning our lives, Father, after the cause of Christ, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you just continue to stir our souls, Father, and Lord, and Lord, help us, Lord, to follow the example and the pattern set forth for us by our Savior. Lord, forgive us for our sins and our, our failures, Lord, our short, shortcomings. Lord, help us, Lord, Father, to set our sights on you, God. Lord, I pray, Father, Lord, that you just help us, Lord, to... Lord, just to set our faces as a flint, Lord, not to be deterred, God, not to, to be moved, to be influenced or swayed, God, by the, the things that the devil, Lord, wants to throw in our pathway, God. God, bless, Lord, the, our service, bless our music, our, our offerings, our preaching, Lord, our praises, Lord, that everything that's said and done in our midst today might bring glory to thy name. Lord, I pray, Father, Lord, today, Lord, that you'd help me as I preach, God. Uh, God, again, Lord, remove those things in my life, God, that would hinder me or keep me from declaring, thus saith the Lord. God, I pray your word, God, would not return void, but it'd take root in our hearts and lives and grow up, uh, Lord, into abundance of fruit, God, that would remain. Lord, bless, Lord, every need. God, thank you for those that are here. God, for those that are lost, God, I pray that they might be their day of salvation. Jesus, help my friend. Lord, bless every prayer request that's been made to you today. And Lord, God, help us to be found faithful in all whatsoever we do. Lord, I pray, God, God, for every situation, every trial, every hardship, God, 
All right, we will receive our uh, regular Sunday morning offering, and I don't even have to ask for kids because I've got two up here ready to roll. Hallelujah. That's the way it ought to be, isn't it? Amen. Amen. So uh, you give as the Lord would have you to. Again, the uh, children's offering will go to support the ministry of missions. Amen. Michael Barm, lead us in prayer. Amen. Take you a gold hymnal, if you will. Turn to page 31. Stand this morning, page 31. once a sinner but I came pardoned to receive from my Lord this was freely given and I found that he always kept his word there's a new name written down in glory aren't you glad and it's mine oh yes it's mine and the white-robed angels sing the story A sinner had come home There's a new name written down in glory And it's mine, oh yes it's mine With my sins forgiven I am bound for heaven Evermore to roam on the second now I was humbly kneeling at the cross Fearing not but God's crown When the heavens opened And I saw that it was written down There's a new name written down in glory and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. And the white-robed angels sing the story. A sinner has come home. There's a new name written down in glory. And it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. With my sins forgiven, I am bound for heaven never more to roam and alas now in the book tis written saved by grace oh the joy that came to my soul now i am forgiven and i know by the blood i am made whole there's a new name written down in and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. 
and the white-robed angels sing the story. A sinner has come home. There's a new name written down in glory. And it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. With my sins forgiven, I am bound for for more to roam. 342, 342, kneel at the cross. I'm thankful that when we come to Christ, Jesus will meet us there. Amen? Praise the Lord for that. Sing kneel at the cross this morning. Kneel at the cross, Christ will meet you there. Come, he waits for you. List to his voice, leave with him your care, and begin life cross. There is room for all who would his glory share. Bliss there awaits. Harm can ne'er befall those who are anchored there. Kneel at the cross. Bleed people said. You may be seated. I'm going to ask Holly, Josh, and Ashley to come sing one before we preach today.
Thankful for my name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life today, aren't you, church? Amazing grace still amazes me. 
If God, if you ever get to that place to where God's grace no longer amazes you, to where you're no longer in awe of what Jesus did for you, I think I'd find me an altar and check up, don't you? Amen. Amen. I don't ever want to get over what Christ did for me. And I'm afraid a lot of times we're guilty of that. Amen. It just becoming a, a normal or usual or ordinary. I'm telling you what, Jesus, the best thing that ever happened to me. How can I get over the best thing that's ever taken place in my life? Amen. When I went up, when I went down lost and I came up found, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Was blind, now I see. Amen. Praise the Lord. Was a sinner, now I'm saved. <laughs> oh, that ought to amaze you. That ought to make you shout glory, praise his name. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter number 4. 2 Timothy chapter number 4 tonight, or this morning. Amen. I know y'all just had a wonderful time listening to some real preaching this week. Now you got to get, get back to putting up with poor little old me. Amen. You say, don't remind us, preacher. Huh? Amen. Well, the Lord's good, isn't he? And the word of God will preach regardless of who's preaching. Amen. All right. 2 Timothy chapter number 2, or excuse me, chapter number 4, verse number 16. 2 Timothy 4, 16. If you found your place, say amen. Stand with me in reverence to God's word. Paul here writing to young Timothy, said, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. How many of you believe the Lord's going to stand by you? And strengthen me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. While well, like this, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. Isn't that great? In other words, you don't have to worry about getting blotted out of the Lord's record book. Hallelujah. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to preach to you on this thought today, responding to suffering. Father in heaven, I love you. I want to thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, just for, uh, Lord, just a continuation of hunger and excitement, Lord, in the Lord's house, Father. Uh, God, I do not sense, a, a, Lord, a spirit of fatigue or, a Lord, uh, layover, so to speak, jet lag, spiritual jet lag. Lord, I don't feel that this morning. I, Lord, I sense people, Lord, who've been helped. Lord, who've been re-energized and who are ready to move forward, God, in the work that you've given us to do. Lord, as we kind of put a cap on what we've heard this week, uh, Lord, I pray that just one more time we might be reminded, uh, Lord, of um, Lord, just the right perspective that we need as Christians as it relates to suffering and service. And Lord, I pray, God, that you just let, help us to never get over, Lord, the truths that were, uh, Lord, branded upon our hearts, God, just engraved and stamped, Lord, down on us, Lord. And I pray, 
Uh, Lord, that we'd, uh, 10 years from now, we'd look back over this past revival meeting and say, you know, the Lord took me from one level to another level. He planted my feet on higher ground. And Lord, I'll, I'll never be the same, Lord, because of what you did, Lord, in those services. Uh, but God, it's not about a preacher. It's not about a church. It's not about a, a service. It's not about a revival meeting. It's about a Savior. Lord, it's about a Bible. It's about a Word, uh, Lord, that gives us the strength and energy, God, to not only to survive, but to thrive in these perilous times and these dark days we're living in. Lord, encourage us today. Give us hope. Give us faith. Lord, help us to get serious about the business you've called us to. And God, help me to preach. Lord, I need you today. I pray that you'd help me, God forbid, not to be guilty of trying to preach through the flesh. But Lord, that my desire would be solely to magnify the name of Jesus today. And Lord, give me an unction, give me an anointing. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd just honor your word and exalt your son by way of your humble servant. If there might be one today that's lost, save them before it's too late. Lord, challenge our hearts through thy word today. And we're going to praise you ahead of time for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. You may be seated. Responding to suffering. And I take my text from 2 Timothy chapter number 4, where we find what we could accurately identify as being the last words of the Apostle Paul. And the reason we say this is because most scholars believe that Paul wrote the book of 2 Timothy right before his death, which occurred at the hand of Emperor Nero, who was known as being one of the greatest of all persecutors of the church. If you've never read Fox's Book of Martyrs, I would encourage you to do so. And you'll get an idea of some of the brutal things that the Christians suffered the very ones that lived in Rome, the very ones that Paul wrote the book of Romans to. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever watched the movie. It came out just a couple of years ago. Holly and I watched it in the theater when we were on vacation. But it's the Apostle Paul. Anybody watch that? If you haven't, you should. As it gives just a, a really good idea, a good description of what was going on in Rome. And it just kind of... Uh, captures the last, uh, you know, few months, so to speak, of Paul's life. And I'll never forget at the beginning of that movie, one of the very first scenes showing the, the, the streets of that city, Rome, and how that they had torches set up. Uh, and it was Christians who were, who were hanging on those poles, and they had had oil uh, their bodies had been saturated with oil, and the, the, the burning bodies of the Christians were being used as lamps to light the city of Rome. And um, that's what was going on while Paul was writing the book of 2 Timothy. Um, many of his friends, many of his closest companions either had been slain, some of them had been used as torches. Others had been thrown to the circus. And when we talk about the circus, we're not talking about a carnival show. We're talking about uh, the great Roman uh, amphitheater, so to speak, Colosseum, the Roman Colosseum, where Christians were taken and they were 
made sport of. It, it was a show. It, I mean, you talk about not a, a sporting event, so to speak. Tickets were sold. Money was made so that the Roman citizens could, could sit in the Colosseum and watch the Christians battle it out against wild beasts. Uh, they were just putting in the center of the Colosseum and the lions and the tigers and uh, amen, these, these brutal, the Christians didn't stand a chance and that their bodies were literally torn to pieces and they were devoured right in front of these Roman citizens. Nothing more than a game or a sport to them. You and I cannot fathom that sort of thing. And these were the things that, that had occurred uh, not yet to Paul himself, but to many of his closest friends and acquaintances. And tradition tells us that Nero ended up making an example out of Paul by having him executed by, the way, by way of decapitation. So in these verses in which we find what literally were the last and final words of the apostle, I believe we can gain a great deal of insight into the attitude that he had, more than likely knowing the ultimate faith that awaited him. You know, Paul wasn't a dummy, and the Lord had preserved him. The Lord had... Uh, amen, protected him, but Paul knew that sooner or later he was going to suffer the fate that pretty much all the early apostles suffered, and that, that is they had to give their lives for Jesus. That's another good study. Study all the, way that, study all the various ways that the, the apostles, the ones who walked with Christ, how they died. Every one of them, aside from John, died as a martyr. And it's not that they didn't try to kill John. They put him in a Scalding pot of water, tried to boil or oil, and tried to burn him, boil him to death, and God miraculously delivered him. You know these things are unfathomable to us. And I don't know about you, but if I knew that I was getting ready to have my own head chopped off for the faith and the stand that I'd taken on behalf of Jesus Christ, whatever words that came out of my mouth right before it happened, I'd say you could pretty much guarantee that those truly were a sincere expression of the attitude of my own heart and life. It's one thing for me to say something behind the pulpit. Uh, bless God, I'd die for Jesus. I'd give my life for the Lord. You know, we say things like that, we think about it, but, you know, when faced with that reality, for a man to still be saying the right thing, that tells us he's pretty much for real. Amen? You know, I think about John the Baptist. You know, John, Jesus said that there's never been a man born a woman greater than John. But you know, John doubted. <laughs> Amen. Uh, you know, John was revered as being, and he truly was one of the greatest prophets, preachers who's ever lived. But yet he hair lipped uh, Herod's wife, or mistress, I guess we could say it that way, and she said, I want his head on a silver platter. You know, and John was getting ready to be executed for saying the right thing and doing the right thing. And just before he died, he sent some of his disciples unto Jesus, the very one he had baptized, the very one he would be, he had been proclaiming as the light of the world, the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God. But yet just before he was slain, just before he ended up giving his life for Jesus, he sent a few of his disciples unto the Lord. And he said, just, just make sure he really is who I've been saying he is. Uh, I just want to make sure before they chop my head off that, uh, that I'm not waste, that this isn't a waste. 
Now, friend, it'd be easy for us to look down at somebody like John, but if you were in that situation, wouldn't you be doing the same thing? I, I just want to make sure that I'm right about this thing before they chop my head off. My, my. These are just things you and I can't fathom, aren't they? But uh, again, there's no blowing smoke. There's no fake it till you make it going on when you know that your own life's on the line. But as we study these verses, we find the same consistent attitude being demonstrated by Paul that he had continued to display all throughout the entirety of his own life and ministry. One thing we can say about Paul is he was consistent. Amen? He wasn't up and down. He wasn't bipolar, so to speak. You knew where he stood. Amen? You didn't have to worry about him wavering or wobbling on the axle, so to speak. And as we examine these verses, we'll come to the conclusion that he didn't flinch one bit, even though he knew the highness of the stakes and the seriousness of the consequences of the words he spoke and the stand he took on behalf of his blessed Lord. I believe he'd counted the cost and he'd came to the determination that the price was worth it. And friend, that's something you need to do. You need to count the cost ahead of time. You need to think, before suffering comes, is it really worth serving Jesus? Because, friend, you do not know what it may cost you before it's all said and done to live for Christ. One thing I do know is there is a price. There is a cross. We have been commanded to carry our cross for Jesus as He was willing to carry His cross for us. There's no Christianity without a cross. You help me preach today. And if you're not willing to carry your cross for your Savior, then you might as well quit because you ain't going to make it. Amen? So we need to think ahead of time. Are we willing to carry the cross and to pay the price? Because there may come a time in your life to where you're looking at this thing and say, well, I don't know, but I'm not sure that I signed up for all this. There may come a point in time you can say, well, I think I'm getting more than what I bargained for. Huh? Amen. My, my. Many lessons we can learn from these words. But before we get into our text, I just want to say a quick word about this week's past revival meeting, especially as it relates to the messages that were preached. And again, I do encourage you, I know some of you were sick, different things going on, that's fine, but please go back. I mean, it, one thing about Brother Roberts, I mean, he may be a little long-winded, but, but uh, he is time-sensitive, unlike some of us. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Uh, Brother Mike's waving his hand back there. But it'll be worth your time to watch or listen to those services. Bring it up on YouTube. Listen to it by way of podcast. Yep, they're all on Facebook. And I'll tell you, it'll help you. Amen? You know, what we heard this past week is second to none as far as the expounding of Scriptures. And I cannot speak for anybody else today. I can say that as your pastor, I got me some help. Amen. That's all right. Preacher getting help. Preacher needs help. Amen? Brother Roberts did a fabulous job of putting things into perspective when it comes to what we endure, the things we go through, the things we face in our lives as opposed to the things men like Paul 
endured. Anybody ever been in danger of having your head chopped off for your faith? Anybody ever went to prison for naming the name Jesus? Anybody ever been stoned at Lystra? Anybody ever, you know, you know what was rare for Paul? Not for him to be beaten, for him, but for him not to be beaten. Of course, I knew what that was like growing up. <laughs> Amen, Josh. Listen, if I went a day and didn't get a whooping, man, that's something must be wrong. And that's what it was like for Paul. There were not too many days that he didn't expend, experience some kind of, of suffering. His life was in danger every day simply because of who he identified with. Because he was a Christian. Man, it, physically speaking, Paul's life was a whole lot better when he was a Pharisee. I mean, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. He was a top dog. I mean, he had a career ahead of him. He was highly thought of within religious circles. But he gave it all up and counted it all as dumb so that he might serve Jesus. My goodness. You know, sometimes we just need to be things to be put in perspective because when we're the one that's suffering, when we're the one that's hurting, when we're the one that's, you know, it seems like we're going through more dark days than we are sunshine. Next thing we think, well, I mean, ain't nobody got it as bad as I got it. Amen? And I'm not trying to discount the reality of our trials. I don't care what it is. If you're going through it, it's a big deal. <laughs> but it ain't nearly as big a deal as what that man went through. Ain't none of us ever suffered like Paul suffered. So we cannot use, we cannot allow the things that we endure and go through in life as an excuse to become lax in our service and our faith. Because if Paul could endure, if he could persevere, and if he could thrive, and if he could literally turn the world upside down, not in spite of his suffering, but through it and because of it, then what's our excuse? You know, man, I mean, sometimes God just needs to Ring our bell again. And I got my bell rung this week. And there was one night, Wednesday night. It happens every single year with Brother Roberts. You know, he just, I mean, Josh, I think we're the same way, man. I don't, I don't want to give your invitation. <laughs> I mean, it just, but he, that's just the way he is. But it happens every year. And there's one night that I'm like, oh, God, please help him not to turn it over to me. Because I just don't know what to say. Amen. Wednesday night was that night. Because God rung my bell. I felt like I needed to get saved all over again. <laughs> Can I get a witness? But reminding us of some things. So let me just give you a couple of quick things about Paul's last words. Again, just before. He knew, I believe with all my heart, he knew that before it was all said and done. Maybe, is it going to be the circus? Is it going to be the guillotine? What, how, how's it, how am I going to die? I don't know, but, but one way or another, I'm going to have to die for Jesus. Paul knew that. Situation at my first answer. He's referring to the fact that he had already went on trial once, and he had already stood before Nero once before regarding the charges that had been made against him. And at his previous hearing, if he had been found guilty, he would have been fed to the lions. 
he would have been eaten alive publicly before thousands of people in the Roman Colosseum. What a way to go. Amen? Uh, you know, you ever thought, and I know it's morbid, but, you know, you ever had that conversation, well, I'd rather die this way or I'd rather die that way. Well, I can think of better ways to die than to end up my flesh and my meat and my bones being in the bottom of a lion's belly. Hallelujah. Eating alive is not my, you know, if the Lord were to give me my choice, that would be at the bottom of the totem pole rather than at the top. Amen. And many of Paul's associates had already suffered. They'd been made torches, living torches. Uh, some had been fed to the beasts. It wasn't a game for these people. It was, li it was life and death. They were champions. They were pioneers. And the propagation of the gospel, whether or not you and I ever heard the name Jesus Christ depended upon, whether or not they were willing to endure these hardships. The main point is that for them, suffering was the norm and the standard rather than being the exception to the rule. And for these early saints, I, I don't think they would have known what to do if, again, they went a day and didn't have to suffer for it. Suffering were nor was normal for the early church. And can I even say that there are places in the world today to where suffering is normal for God's people? Josh, has been, Josh and Ashley have been on the mission field. <laughs> it ain't like it is here in America everywhere. Would you not agree with me that, that one of our greatest blessings has actually been the church, one of the, the American church's greatest downfall? And that is what we might refer to as popular Christianity. That for so long in America, it's actually been considered a good thing to be a Christian. I mean, you know, it, you know that, 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 it, that, that something must be off base when the politicians go to church in the hopes of being elected. <laughs> a notch on your belt because I believe in Jesus. Huh? Friend, that is not normal historically. Christianity, historically and biblically speaking, has always been a reproach and has not been a badge of honor, but has been a badge of shame to identify as a Christian. Jesus, I want to remind you, was crucified as a criminal. And from a Jewish perspective, it was a curse for anyone to die by hanging on a tree. It was the the it was to be crucified was as bad as it. I mean, you know, I, I'm talking about, you know, you think about somebody that is that that, that suffers the death penalty. That's reserved for the the harshest criminals. That's how Jesus died, and that's how the early Christians were viewed as being a blight and a reproach to society. Amen? Troublemakers. The reason. You know, the world always has blamed God's people for its problems. 
You know, for us, if we ever do experience just a little bit of suffering, if we have a bad day, if God lets us get sick, what have I done wrong? Because this isn't normal. Because American Christianity for so long has viewed Christianity as a stepping stone to a better and a more prosperous life. And that's stupid. And it's unbiblical. And and what is happening is these charlatan preachers, amen, that are filling auditoriums all over America and arenas by offering their people a better life, your best life now. Amen. How to become rich by being a Christian. How to live life without getting sick. How does that mesh with the message of Jesus and the Apostle Paul? It does not. They that will live godly shall suffer persecution. Isn't that what the Bible says? In the world ye shall have tribulation. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Paul told the Thessalonians that they were appointed to those afflictions. Job said, man's days are few and full of trouble. Brother Roberts alluded to 1 Corinthians 11. Turn there real quick with me. Turn turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He alluded to it, but he never read the verses. Just read these verses. Anybody ever known a man more spiritual than Paul? Anybody ever known someone who did more for the cause of Christ than the evangelist to the Gentiles? Paul of Tarsus? Anybody? Well, he gives a synopsis on his life in these verses. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. If you find your place, say amen. Verse 23 of 2 Corinthians 11. In labors more abundant... In stripes above measure. Stripes, that's whoopings. In prisons more frequent. In deaths often. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. Did you hear that? Lashed. With thirty-nine stripes consecutively a total of five times. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. A lot of people, they thought he was dead when they stoned him at Lystra. Some say he did die and God brought him back from, from, to life. <laughs> Thrice I sh- suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep. <laughs> I, I mean, I take that that he, he spent all day and all night floating in the ocean wondering if he was going to sink or swim. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers. Everywhere he traveled, he was in danger of being robbed. In perils by mine own countrymen, the very people that he loved wanted to kill him. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils amongst false brethren. Didn't know who he could and couldn't trust. In weariness. You think Paul ever got tired? In painfulness. You ever think Paul ever got burnt out? 
in watchings often. Everywhere he went, he had to he had to he had to look behind him, make sure nobody was sneaking up on him. Wanted to kill. He was he was the America's most wanted before there ever was such a thing. And hungering and thirsting and fastings often, deprived of food. Y'all listening to me today? In cold and in nakedness. That's a pretty that's a pretty good repertoire, would you not agree? But not only that, but besides those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? Just the internal, the emotional struggle, the stress that Paul went through on a daily basis because of all the pressure he was under and all the people who counted on and, on and depend, depended on him. What if Paul had quit? Amen? He knew what it was to suffer. The entirety of his life following his conversion on the Damascus Road might be accurately described as being a lifetime of suffering on behalf of his faith and his Savior. More than anything else, Paul suffered for Jesus. Now there's a desertion. So what do you get out of it? Isn't that our first inclination? Let's just be real. Physically speaking, Let's just be real. Can we just be real? Y'all gonna, y'all gonna stone me for being real today? <laughs> Would not every one of us agree that, that more often than not, in the back of my, our minds, we're thinking, well, Lord, if I go to church every day, or every, every time the doors are open, if I pray, if I study my Bible, if I live a life for you, then my life's going to be better off because of it. Anybody besides a preacher have that mindset sometimes? I mean, surely my bills are going to be paid. Surely I'm not going to get cancer. Huh? I mean, is that not the American mindset? Is that not the the American Christianity mindset? That if I live for Jesus, my life is going to be physically better because of it. Friend, you better burst that bubble now because you are going to be sorely disappointed and you will not survive. Amen? Paul said, in spite of everything I did for Jesus, nobody stood with me, but all men forsook me. Man, it'd be one thing for him to forsake me. Josh? Man, they forsook Paul. The greatest evangelist and missionary this world has ever known. The man who single-handedly God used to turn the world upside down and to spread the gospel throughout the known world. Not by way of internet, not by way of social media. He didn't have an automobile. Brother Robert said it. He trudged up and down roads in danger of being robbed everywhere he went. Dragging him scrolls behind him. But yet God used him. To do more. Could you think of one person that God has ever used to do more through than Paul? So what happened? The very ones. You think of all the churches that he established. Philippi, Colossae, Thessalonica, Rome, Corinth, Ephesus, the Galatian churches. Antioch. 
It's where he was sent out from. You think about the network, the thousands upon thousands of people. Now, if you study the context, there was one man that didn't desert him, and that was Luke, the physician. I'm thankful for those one. I'm thankful for those few. Amen. But friend, if you are expecting the world or even the church or even those whom you serve and minister to and to pour your blood, sweat, and tears into to pat you on the back and think that you're the next Superman, during his greatest need, Paul was forsaken. By everyone! Think about all those times that Paul stood with others during their greatest time of need. But in his most dire hour, no man stood with him. And all men forsook him. Well, there was another man that that happened to. And can I just say to you that none of us could shine the shoes of either of these men. I'm not worthy of Paul's footsteps. My life is a shame when I examine it and compare it against him. How about Jesus? Think about all he did for the twelve. Peter. <laughs> Peter was a great guy. God used Peter mightily before Peter denied him. But yet when the Lord needed Peter the most, even though Jesus gave him a heads up. <laughs> so this, Peter, this is exact, exactly what's going to happen. Peter said, no, I will never deny you. Peter denied the Lord. Jesus called Judas knowing Judas was going to betray him and sell him out for a little bit of money. Would you have chose Judas? Now, I'd have probably punched him in the mouth. <laughs> huh? Nobody stood with Jesus. The very ones he came to save, the Jewish people, I mean, would you have died for them? Well, can I remind you, if they did it to them, they'll do it to you? Huh? Y'all with me today? And can I remind you that Jesus knew before He ever called the twelve that every one of them would deny Him during His darkest hour. Well, there's a petition, verse 16. How'd Paul react to it? Did he react the way I would have? <laughs> huh? He said, I pray God that it not be laid to their charge. He did not want, Paul did not want the Lord to hold the sins of those who had abandoned, deserted, forsaken, betrayed, and denied. He prayed that God not hold them accountable for it. And the only way Paul could have prayed for God not to hold it against them if he didn't hold it against them. You ever been hurt? Huh? You ever been abandoned? You ever been deserted? You ever been forsaken? Have you ever been betrayed by people you love? By people you've been good to? By people you helped? 
So let me ask you, when it happens, you pray, oh, Lord, just don't hold it against them. <laughs> Lord, <laughs> rain, fire, and brimstone. Just give me one chance to speak my mind to them. But I want to remind you that probably every one of us have been on the other side of that. We've been the one that's done the hurt, hurting. See, we want to... We wanna, we want to judge and condemn those who hurt us, but what do we want those who we hurt to do? You know what Paul did? He let it go. Can I say to you that probably most of us, the reason that, that we are not following the example of Paul and Jesus, the reason that we are not making the difference for Christ that we need to make in our day is because there are some things we just are not willing to let go. And I'm speaking to this preacher. The hurts, the wounds. Sometimes self-inflicted, sometimes not. But we're just not willing to get over it. And move past it. Because there's something more important to us than the way we've been treated by others. Aren't you thankful that there was something more important to Jesus than the way others treated Him? What if Jesus didn't get over the way you treat Him? Do you know Jesus died for you knowing the sin you'd commit after you get saved? Yeah, I feel conviction on that one. Paul loved those who forsook him, denied him, betrayed him, forgot about him. He loved them the same way and he was willing to treat them the same way in spite of the way they treated him. Is our willingness to serve, love, and minister to others Dependent upon the way they've treated us. More often than not, the answer to that question is yes. Do we let the attitude or actions of others towards us manipulate, influence, or control our actions, attitudes, and demeanor towards them? How we react and respond to those who mistreat us speaks volumes regarding our level of spirituality. Where I am at spiritually, one of the best ways to determine, one of the best uh, uh, rulers I can use to measure my level of spirituality is by how I respond and react to those who mistreat me. Or how I view them as mistreating me. Sometimes it's not that they're mistreating me. But it's just sometimes that the devil makes me think that they're mistreating me. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Is that your attitude? To those who want to crucify you? Paul, I pray God that it not be laid to their charge. Even though when I needed them, them the most, they were nowhere to be found. If we base our willingness to serve or minister to others on the way they've treated us, we will not succeed. We will fail in our service to the Lord and especially to others. Do you know serving, you, you know the 
you know what? Can I describe this business of serving Jesus to you? In another phrase, serving Jesus is serving others. Can I say that again today? Serving Jesus is about serving others. And if you're going to have a heart that is pleasing unto God, if you're going to have a heart, and by the way, God knows the condition of all our hearts, I may put a smile on my face and I may be able to, to, to fool Robert and I may be able to say things and do things that makes other people think that I really have a heart for others. But God knows the condition of my heart. And if I am going to have the kind of heart that pleases God, and if I am going to have the kind of heart that God can take and use me to make a difference for His name, then I must, must have a heart that's tender towards others. Anybody, let's just, all right, once again, let's be, let's be real. Anybody say, preacher, I could say today that my heart needs to be more tender towards others than what it is right now. My heart is not as sensitive to others. All right, let's tell you. <laughs> my heart needs to be more tender and sensitive to those who have hurt me than what it is right now. I don't know anybody in this room that couldn't raise their hand on that one. Uh, you say, preacher, why would you pull this out after revival week? We've been beat to death all week and here you go again. We must not let the way people treat us influence or determine our attitude and actions towards people we have been called to serve. We must love, serve, and help them anyway just as Jesus set such an example for us to do the same. Did Jesus not call us to love others? Did Jesus not call us to serve others? Did Jesus uh, not call us to help others? Well, did He put... Uh, amen, a, uh, uh, what do you call it at the bottom? Help me out, fine print. A what? Asterisk? No, that's not what I'm looking for. A disclaimer! Thank you, Scott and Robert. Did he put a disclaimer at the bottom? Saying, well, you know, I was listening to one of them car, car dealer commercials today. One of your old buddies, Scott Groff, amen, East Tennessee, or Johnson City Nissan. And he, I mean, they, they schmoozed it, and I mean, it's the best thing, but... But at the very beginning, before the commercial ever starts, the fine print, the disclaimer. Do you know the Bible doesn't have a disclaimer when it comes to serving others and loving others? Jesus didn't say, serve them if they serve you. Serve them if they love you. Serve them and love them if they appreciate you, friend. If that was the disclaimer that Christ uh, the standard that He set for us would all be on our way to hell because none of us love Him, serve Him, and appreciate Him like we should. But yet we are so arrogant to want to base our willingness to, to serve others on how they treat us. And it is the opposite of real Christianity. Companion, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me, Say, preacher, how was Paul able to do this? Well, there was a couple of things. First of all, because he really didn't care whether not everybody else stood with him because he knew there was one. 
that was going to stand by his side. Friend, the people you serve may not appreciate you, but God does. The people you do good things for may forget about what you've done for them, but God has a record book. God has an itemized list of every prayer you've prayed. Didn't the Bible say something about having our tears in a bottle? The very hairs of your head are numbered. He's keeping up with every tear you shed. So don't you let the old devil tell you you've been forgotten. What does it really matter what other people think as, far as, as, as long as God knows? And the truth is God knows more than we, we'd rather Him know. But when I start feeling sorry for myself because Robert didn't appreciate, I don't think Robert appreciated what I did for him. Why don't I forget about what Robert thinks or what I assume Robert does or don't? And, and why don't I stand on what, I, what God knows? He is that friend that sticketh close to the brother. Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whether soever thou goest. Oh, I'll go with thee always. The Lord ain't going to bail on you. The Lord ain't going to deny you. The Lord ain't going to betray you. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to be, he's not going to, uh, amen, uh, forsake you. He's going to go with you. And he's going to be faithful to you. And really, that's all that matters. Not what man does, but what God does. Am I helping anybody this morning? Not only did the Lord stand with Paul, but He strengthened Paul. Verse 17. God's, you say, preacher, man, I understand what you're saying, but you don't know how I've been hurt. You don't know how I've been treated. You don't know how deep the wound. You don't know how deep that knife is that somebody shoved in my back. Do you know most of the time when people hurt us, it's unintentional? Now I'm talking about God's people. I mean, if I would... If, if me as a saved, born-again Christian, if I were to intentionally lash out at somebody in an attempt to hurt them and wound them, I think I need to question my salvation. I think God's people intentionally want to hurt each other. Just like my family. <laughs> you know who most people you hurt or hurt you are, family. People you're the closest to. Is the preacher telling the truth today? Family wounds hurt more than you. But you know the second behind that church family. Man, I, I rub elbows long enough with Robert. Robert's probably going to let me down. Robert's going to disappoint me. Robert's going to hurt me. And I got news for you. You hang around me long enough, I'm going to do the same to you. But it's not intentional. It's just the weakness and the frailty of our flesh. That's not an excuse for it per se. But I'm just saying, there's just some things we got to let go of. We got to go for. We got to. You say, preacher, I just don't know if I can. Well, you may not be able to within yourself. But Paul said, not only did the Lord stand with him, but the Lord strengthened him. See, we're without excuse when it comes to our ability to forgive. You say, I can't heal those wounds. No, but there is a balm in Gilead. There is a remedy. There is a healing. You say, preacher, I've been holding on to it for years because of how bad it hurt. That's your fault. 
That ain't the person who wounded you. You, you it's not their fault. You say, well, they never, they never apologize. Don't matter. Amen? Don't matter. God's grace is sufficient. And if Paul could do it, and if Jesus Christ could do it, then God's grace is sufficient to help you do it as well. And did you know when, when, when I spend my life holding grudges, and I have no idea why I'm off on this one, but when I spend my life holding grudges against people who've hurt me, all I'm doing is hurting myself. Because more than likely, they don't ever think about it. Amen? But I'm just talking about walls and barriers and wounds and hindrances and things that the devil wants to use in our lives to distract us and to hinder us from doing all we can for Jesus. And friend... You cannot afford, there's no way for you to spiritually thrive and succeed in serving the Lord and serving others in this world to where the current's taking us the other way as long as we got some of these exterior things and these obstructions and these things that are bogging down our motor. Amen? Causing us to only be able to run six, uh, five, four cylinders instead of six or seven. Or how, there ain't no seven cylinders. Right, Michaels, there's seven cylinders. Six or eight, right? Scott's laughing at me. Do, do what? There's a lot of them. All right. So everybody thinks because I'm a car salesman's son, I know something about vehicles. And that is the opposite of the case. Preacher, would you hurry up and get done? How many of you believe the Lord's able to strengthen you and give you grace to move on from things that you need to move on from? Man, that's what I'm just telling you what God did in my life. Some of you know me longer than you than others. Everybody knows I'm crazy. I ain't ashamed of it. I got it on. Hallelujah. But you know, let me, can I just be real for a minute? You're looking at a guy that growing up and, and during my earlier years, I, I was likable. I mean, people liked me and I liked other people. And I, I mean, I just, that was a big deal to me. It was important to me, Robert, for people to like me. Anybody else feel that way? Man, you know, that's hard to, it's hard to succeed that way in ministry. In the first seven or eight years, man, I tried to pastor that way. Oh, if I do enough, if I'm nice enough, if I smile at them, if I grin at them enough, if I make enough phone calls, if I visited them enough time. I used to do that. When I first started here, if there was people that, you know, were kind of unfaithful to church and more than likely they wouldn't show up, I'd call them on Saturday night. Amen? And, and sometimes they'd show up the next Sunday. Well, then the next Sunday they wasn't there again, so I'd call them again on Saturday night. But you know, I, I, I started realizing, man, you're wasting your time. If they ain't going to do it for Jesus, they ain't going to do it for you. And man, I, I, just to be honest with you, I had a hard time dealing with that. Because I just didn't really know what understand or I'd never experienced a lot of rejection in my life. Didn't understand. And, and, it, and it was a 
you know, it was a smack in the face. Of course, then, you know, <laughs> I made my share of mistakes and growing and, and trying to learn. But, and sometimes we don't respond to those things the right way. And you know what our natural tendency is when we get hurt? We want to put a wall up. We want to become gun shy. Praise God, if I touch a stove and it burns me once, I sure ain't going to do it a second time. We heard a lot of preaching this week that tells us we need to be willing to open ourselves up to people even when they hurt us. And that may not have been to you, but that was this preacher. Because I'm afraid that the devil is hindering me and keeping me from being all I can for Jesus. Amen. Because whereas there used to be this, this free-flowing channel into the lives of others, for some time now maybe I've had a little bit of a guard up. And say, so, well, I'm gonna get I just may not get as close to them. And all I'm doing is robbing myself of an opportunity to be, to be used by God to make a difference for His name. Preacher always confessing his sin. Intentions. Now here's the key. And this is really where the rubber meets the road today. And everything I've said points to this next statement. That by me the preaching might be fully known. And that all the Gentiles might hear. See, the fulfillment and the, of, of Paul's calling and his ministry and the salvation of sinners and the work of the gospel was more important to Paul than the way he was treated by others, even those he'd poured his life into and ministered to. So let me challenge you today from the pulpit to the pew, what matters more to you, the fulfillment of your ministry or the way you're treated by others? Huh? Did the preacher not tell us this week we've all got a ministry? One of these days you're going to be held accountable by God as to whether or not you have faithfully fulfilled your God-ordained ministry. So let me ask you, what's more important to you? Your ministry? Fulfilling your ministry? Or the way those who you minister to will treat you? You spend enough time Preaching on the streets, dealing with homeless people, you're going to get spat on. You're going to get cussed. In fact, that's why some of us aren't doing it, because we, we're scared of being treated the way they're going to treat him for doing what he's doing. What's more important to you, knocking on doors and telling people about Jesus or having a door slammed in your face and your pride getting hurt over it? Huh? What's more important to me? Being a pastor and a preacher of whom people know that I really care and I really love them. And the reason they know it is because how they I, I serve them the same regardless of how they treat me. Do you know why Paul was willing to not allow his attitude and his actions to be influenced or changed by the way he was treated? Because fulfilling 
His ministry and seeing people saved was more important to him than how he was treated for doing it. The way they treat us is a resemblance of the way they treated Paul and the way they treated Jesus. Do you want to be like Jesus? Do you want to be like Paul? You can't be like Jesus and you can't be like Paul without being mistreated and without being willing to suffer. Matthew 5, 10 through 12, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you, shall persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so great did they, persecuted they the prophets which were before you. John 15, 17 through 25. These things I command you that you love one another. Anybody need to do a better job loving others? If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake. Because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had had no sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no other man did, they had no sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled. That is written in the law. They hated me without a call. Are you, be, are you willing to be hated, by, hated without a cause for Jesus as Jesus was willing to be hated for, without a cause for you? What's more important, your well-being? You know what that is? It's pride. I mean, we just want to be appreciated. Huh? We want people to treat us right for... Being good to them. Let me say this. And I'm wrapping up today. Philippians 1, 20 and 21. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, Paul writing, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, here it is, so now also Christ may be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Our ultimate goal as Christians is for Christ to be magnified in our bodies, whether it be by life or by death. Can I say to you this morning, that Christ is magnified more clearly by our death than He is by our life. Christ is magnified more by our suffering and sickness than He is by our healing, more through our valleys than by our victories, more by our trials 
than by our triumphs. One of the greatest ways Christ can be magnified in your life is for you to be mistreated by those you serve and minister to. Can I say that again? One of the greatest ways for Christ to be magnified in your life is to be mistreated for, ser for serving others. For you to wash somebody's feet and they spit in your face for it. How are you going to respond when somebody mistreats you for doing the right thing? I'll give you this and I close. There's so many more things we could say. Lord, give me this. How are we going to respond? Isn't that what I titled the message? How we respond to suffering? How do we respond for being forgotten? How do we respond for being mistreated, for being wounded and hurt? Let me give you five things. First of all, we can evade them. Preacher, what does that mean? Act as if they don't exist. Think that our lives are going to be inherently better for serving others and serving Jesus. Friend, you'll never succeed in life unless you understand the formula for ministry. And that is your life does not necessarily get better for serving Christ. In fact, most of the time the opposite is the case. Well, then the second thing you can do is, is to try to escape them. You recognize the reality of suffering, but yet when it comes you try to Avoid it. Get out of it. Lord, would you deliver me from this? I don't want this. Isn't that naturally the way we want to respond by something negative in our lives is to flinch against it? To evade, to escape. Third way is to endure. And may I say to you that if God brings you to it, He's going to bring you through it. You say, I can't handle it. No, what God's grace is sufficient for you to endure whatever it is that comes your way. All right? To evade, to escape, to endure. Let me give you the last two. Now, can I say before I give them to you, I ain't arrived yet. <laughs> I cannot say I've reached this place. And probably neither of you, but Paul did. To embrace it. He said in 2 Corinthians, Jesus, let, Father, if this be possible, let, let the cup pass from me. Paul said, I besought the Lord to deliver me from my thorn in the flesh three times, but God's response was, my grace is sufficient for thee. How did Paul respond? Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ might be upon me. I'd rather suffer if it means you being magnified. I'd rather suffer if, it, if that's what it takes for me to experience the power of God in my life. I'd rather suffer if that's what it takes for me to have revival in my life. Most gladly, therefore, I'd rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and necessities in reproaches and distresses 
and in persecutions for Christ's sake, for when I'm weak, then I am strong. Are you willing to embrace? Not just endure, but embrace your sufferings, knowing that the best way for people to see Jesus in you is through your suffering. The number way, the number one, y'all listening today? The number one way for Jesus to be exalted in your life is through your suffering. Now, you ain't going to hear that down in Middle Tennessee. You ain't going to hear that through popular preaching. But I'm telling you, the number one way for God to get the glory out of your life is for you to suffer for Him the way He suffered for you. Are you willing to embrace, embrace suffering? Are you willing to embrace being mistreated so other people could be saved? Embrace it. So that those who know what you're going through, but yet seeing you rejoice in Jesus in spite of it, say, man, I don't know what he has, but I want some of it. Now, I know this ain't easy preaching, but I'm telling you, it's Bible. <laughs> All right, so we don't want to evade it. We don't want to escape it. We will endure it if we're saved. We can embrace it, but can I give you the highest level of all, which is so high that I can't even fathom it because I'm so far from it, but you could literally enjoy it. In other words, you, you get to that place to where you literally count it the greatest of all honors, the highest of highs, to suffer for Jesus as He was willing to suffer for you. Did you know that was the mindset of those martyrs? Did you know that was the attitude of that person that literally allowed their body to be impaled on a stake, doused with oil, and lit on fire, knowing that not only were, there, were they serving as lampposts for the city of Rome, but they were letting their light shine for Jesus. Did you know, I really believe when Paul laid his head down on the chopping block and they cut it off, he said, bring it on, I'm ready to go. Sudden death, sudden glory. For to me to live as Christ is to die as God. I've been wanting to go to heaven for a long time. Let's get her done. Do you know what the disciples said? Acts chapter 5. Y'all's looking at me like I'm a crazy guy. I get it. I ain't there yet either. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. The Bible says that they literally walked out of the temple after getting the tar beat out of them by the Pharisees, having a hallelujah spell, shouting the victory, running the aisles, singing glory to God, not because they had a goosebump feeling, not because they heard a good song or heard a good preacher preach, because they counted themselves worthy. Or no, because God counted them worthy to let them suffer shame for His name. When's the last time you saw somebody shouting because they got mistreated? And I want to have the pouty lip and I want to blow up like a blowfish and cross my arms and nobody loves me. I'm suffering for Jesus because I'm pastoring a bunch of crazy 
you're not about his church folk. And you got men like Paul. Not just men, but women. I mean, you'd hate to think women that were raped. Mothers who had their babies debowled right in front of them. Do you know there was a, a missionary in Russia, the Soviet Union? Preacher, man, I'm hungry too, praise God. But I'm having a time. Do you know there was a missionary in the Soviet Union just after the Berlin Wall fell? Y'all know what I'm talking about. You've heard the story. And he started preaching the gospel in the Soviet Union. You know, you know what the, the Russian Orthodox Church did to that man? He took his wives and little girls and put them in prison. And every time they caught him preaching, they cut the tongues out of their mouths. The religious crowd cut the tongues out of the preacher's wife and daughter's mouth. He said, if you don't quit preaching, we're going to cut another tongue out. They call him preaching again, so they cut another daughter's tongue out. Are you going to evade it, escape it, endure it, embrace it, or somehow enjoy and rejoice in it? Let's all stand this morning. Lord, I've just tried to give the burden of my heart this morning. and Father, I hope I've done so with right demeanor. And I hope every one of these people today would understand that I'm preaching to myself before I'm preaching to them. God, from the pulpit to the pew, Lord, we need to have a better mindset, a better disposition, and a better attitude to the sufferings we endure in life whether it be things that are just natural consequences of life or things that specifically happen to us because we're serving the Lord. Lord, my reward's not earthly. My reward is heavenly. Help me to make the determined choice and decision, Lord, and everybody in this room, that we would be willing to follow the example of Jesus and the Apostle Paul and say, Lord, to me... Fulfilling my ministry and winning souls to Christ and being a light for Jesus is more important to me than the way other people treat me for doing it. Lord, that we would be willing and Lord, even get to the place to where we could embrace suffering for you as you suffered for us. Lord, if somebody needs to come during the invitation, help them to respond. We'll praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to come, the altar's open. Miss Grace, you play.